Miracy. I was so sold on the victim mentality that I didn't see myself as powerful or responsible for any of the things that were happening in my life. So because I'm a weak victim person, I can't allow good things to continue. Hello, I'm Katie Valentine, and you're listening to Soul Savvy Business. I am a soul-minded spiritual entrepreneur, a Christian minister, and a New Testament scholar. Don't let any of that scare you. I support all paths to the divine, and I use tools such as chakras, dreams, and intuition to get there. On this podcast, we explore the intersection of business and spirituality. What do I mean by that? Too often, we separate our business selves from our spiritual selves, but in doing that, we don't leverage the full potential of either one. This podcast aims to help you fall in love with your own soul so that you can live your most fulfilling and successful life. On today's episode, I'll be talking with an ordained pastoral counselor and heart healer who specializes in trauma and abuse. But first... In every episode, I offer a soul tip around abundance and your spiritual journey. Today's tip is on play, a theme that has come up before around here. Specifically, this is about embracing your inner child and especially what delights your inner child within reason. This is not indulging your inner child who has no restraint, but rather delighting the inner child who loves to be expressive. I'm suggesting to everyone to pull out your arts and crafts Pull out your musical instruments like drums and kazoos, the things that are joyful for children just because they help us express ourselves. Why do all this, you may be asking. First, it's just fun. Second, when you do things that are fun and don't take a lot of work and don't take a lot of learning, because you already know how to do that, it raises your energy and your vibration. And third, we all have an inner child that feels a little neglected, most likely. Engaging in this kind of play can help draw the inner child out. Your soul and your abundance love this kind of integration, and it's really great for money and abundance to see you play and take care of your imagination. And also, a big bonus is you will probably get great ideas for your business while you're playing. My guest today is Dr. Marsha Martin. Marsha is also known as the heart healer. She is a spiritual empowerment counselor, best-selling author, public speaker, and clairaudient angel communicator. She works with angelic energies in the sacred space of the heart to help people heal from past traumas, abuse, and negativity. Welcome to the show, Marsha. Thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here, and I love the fact that you started with the inner child. Ooh, let's talk about it. What resonated? Well, that is one of the things that when you work in the heart, you bring the aspect that first was received the wounding, that inner child that didn't get the resolution and is still carrying the wound. But one of the other things that I share with everyone is I dare you to go to a playground where young children are playing and keep your sour mood. Look at the joy that they have just yelling through the little tube that's often shaped like a flower where the two can hear each other. Or if a butterfly comes flying by where they're playing, 
everybody is just so filled with joy. And for me personally, my favorite thing to do is literally go smell the flowers. I go on walks and I smell the flowers and I look for the hummingbirds. And as you said, it frees my mind, it uplifts my soul, and it lets me think, oh, what's a wonderful thing that I could share with people about a spiritual life or the spiritual journey? How can I support them in their quest? And it happens more quickly and more easily if I have had that time to let my inner child out, to play in the flowers and hear the birds or just get delighted by all of the beauty. Oh, nice. I'm glad it resonated. And this must be a spirit informed tip because I looked at a blank screen like 30 minutes today. It just took a long time for that tip to manifest itself onto paper. So it was perfectly paired for your arrival here on the podcast. Well, we'll talk about your religious and spiritual background in just a moment. But first, tell us maybe what word or words you currently use when you're talking about whatever it is you consider to be the divine. Love. Ooh, say more. Unconditional love and acceptance. That is all they are and all they will ever be. So tell us, what did your religious or spiritual upbringing look like? And were you raised in a particular religion or with certain spiritual beliefs or practices? In my childhood, growing up, there were a set of rules created by the church that we belong to. And those rules were not really focused on a loving God. They were more rules about what you can and cannot do. And if you follow them, then maybe God would love you, or maybe you would become good enough for something nice to happen in your life. But it was usually all about punishment and the ways in which you were falling short. And my relationship with God now is all about love, feeling good, overflowing with joy and love and peace, and knowing that even when I screw up, I am still loved. I know that I am free to experiment with all sorts of choices, and I will still be loved, honored, supported, guided, and accepted. I have a really funny story that explains the difference between living by the rules and actually having a partnership with the divine. So we used to go to a church when I was very little called Stone Church of the Brethren, which my grandmother adored that church, but it was very puritanical in its belief system. And so I was little and it was really <laughs> boring. But luckily I had my grandmother and she would write me notes and she would give me lifesavers. And I was the youngest by quite a bit and always wanting to be like my sisters, who I thought were so amazing, magical beings that they just could do everything that I couldn't do. And so when it was time to repeat the Lord's Prayer, I thought I could do it too. I don't know that I was reading at this time, but, you know, I certainly thought I have memorized it after being here week after week. So there got to a place in the prayer that says, grant us now. Well, it sounded to me like grant us nower. And I remember standing and repeating the prayer and saying, Granis Nower, and thinking to myself, what is Granis Nower? <laughs> and that 
went on for a long time until I don't remember (laughs) if I ever asked anyone or I could finally read the words. But the beauty of that prayer completely was lost on me because I was repeating nonsense. And that for me became what religion ended up being for me. I was repeating nonsense. I was doing rituals or saying prayers that someone else told me, do this and God will think you're okay. And it wasn't until my life completely fell apart and I had to find my way to a partnership with God that I understood what could be gained by having a personal relationship with the divine. And Thank you for sharing that. And it just reminded me that the Lord's Prayer in the New Testament, this part that you're talking about, grant us today our daily bread. One of those words, it's the first time we ever see it in Greek. And so we don't know what it means. We translate it as daily, but we don't actually know. And so there's something just really lovely and very inner child about the story that you shared because you were hearing it when you were little. A part of me is wondering, too, if you were capturing some of the mystery that's there in your kind of misunderstanding, because we actually don't know what that sentence says in its entirety. (laughs) You talk about on your website being clairaudient. So could you tell us what that means and then when you had that realization? It means that I can hear them and very clearly (laughs) any of the beings of the energetic realm. So I don't separate them. There is Mother, Father, God. So to me, God is all things. So there's Mother, Father, God, and then all of the helping beings that have been created to assist us in our life journeys. So I can hear all of them. It's different from mediumship. I don't necessarily hear people who have passed or are in that realm, I have more of a direct connection to the angelic, energetic beings. Okay, and so tell us a little more about Claire audience. Well, I think the thing to remember is that you are not going to hear a voice that is different from your own. That happens so infrequently. I think that has happened to me on two occasions, but it is very unusual because it requires such a huge amount of energy. And they are very efficient. So they're not going to expend a lot of energy trying to get your attention with a different voice that may be outside of you when they can just go direct and communicate with you directly. So the first thing to remember is you're going to hear your own voice. But as you progress, you'll be able to differentiate between all of the beings because they all have their own vocabulary, their own intonation. They have their own way of phrasing. And so it's quite easy to understand who you're talking to after you've spent some time really getting to know them as different energy streams. As you've heard, Marsha is someone who works closely with the spiritual realm, angels, archangels, spirit guides, and more. This is, of course, very normal and exciting to me, but it may be really new to some of you. Marsha talks about clear audience, which simply means clear hearing. One of the key things to develop when you first begin to get in tune with this part of the spiritual world is your intuition and how the spirit world communicates with you. It could be hearing, sight, feelings, or knowing. But think of this as your inner ear or your inner eye, even your inner feelings. 
rather than a direct contact with your senses. I have one experience of clear audience that may be really fun for you to hear. And this happened a long time ago in 2014, right after I had finished my dissertation, but before I defended it. I was driving around thinking, what will be my next project after this? And I heard a voice as clear as a bell say, you will work on transgender identity and the Bible. It was so clear inside my head that I turned around in the car to see if someone was in the back seat. I knew this voice was spirit, God, the universe. And I said, I don't know much about transgender identity except, you know, my friends and what I see on, on the news. And the voice said, that's not really relevant. So I got busy and I tested this for about three weeks and determined that this was in fact a very, very genuine experience that I had had and I got to work. And you know what? Since then I've actually published a little bit on transgender identity. I've talked to wonderful, fascinating people. My eyes have been illuminated about all the hidden places in the New Testament where we see hints of transgender people. That's one of my clearest experiences with clear audience. I've had a few more, but it's not really the main way that my intuition works. But when I do experience it, it's very powerful. It's always worthwhile to continue to hone our intuition and develop it because you never know when this clear audience experience might happen to you or one of the other clairs, the ways that our intuition speaks to us. And when it first happens, it may be very surprising. So I asked Dr. Marsha, when was her first Claire audience experience and asked her to tell us about that. I think it has been with me always because I remember long conversations in the woods with my little friends. And, you know, I would have tea, tea time by the stream, and we would have little acorn teacups and things like that. And leaves and twigs. And I would just have long conversations with no one. And then I got into high school and I became really interested in what was called at the time the paranormal. But I was still afraid of being judged as too weird. So I kept it all under wraps, moved forward to college. I picked it up again in my graduate work, in my master's degree, because I found a meditation group and we were sort of doing healing circles and things like that. And then it was totally woohoo. And I was loving it. I loved it because I could be so weird. And then my master's degree was complete and I realized, hmm, I really have to get a real job, you know, and start being ordinary again. I can't do this woohoo stuff and actually have a life that is livable. So I threw all that away again and started creating the darkest period of my life possible. And it was just <laughs> slow descent into deep darkness and despair. How long did that last? Almost 20 years. Okay. That's a long time. It was a long time. Oh, everything. Everything was going on. Luckily had my children, though. And of course, they bring the angels back, but I wasn't acknowledging that I could communicate with anything at that time. I was trying to be normal. You know, I needed to be normal so I could be a success and be a good mother. And at the same time, though, I was teaching and having experiences where they would tell me what to do in order to help these children become successful because I've been hired to work with a small group of students in third grade 
who had been identified as likely to fail in math and reading. So at this point, I'm feeling pretty much like a failure. I have let go of all of my work with the angels and the universe and healing fun stuff and everything else and trying to find a reason to feel good about me. So it becomes really important to me that these children that identify as failures feel good about themselves. So I had this, I'll open for them, but shut off for me. <laughs> I'm sure it must have been so frustrating for my energetic helpers because they would give me these wonderful insights on how to make it easy for these kids to achieve and to own their progress and to own what they were learning. But I was just convinced that I needed to stay in this place of, I haven't earned it. I'm not worthy. I have no value. I've made mistakes. You know, this litany of self-judgment and condemnation. Well, how did you overcome those particular beliefs? What happened to help you transform those? Things just kept getting worse until money is gone. Marriage is falling apart. Life is just a disaster. And I basically crawl on my knees to the library and say, I'm going to find answers. And so I started reading the spirituality and religion section. And I read almost every book in every section in every branch of every library that was around me until I started understanding a little bit about what was real about God and what had been added on to them by different people's egos interpretation. And once I recognized, hey, I have a way back, I'm not always going to be the condemned sinner that religion told me I was. And that just began an inner exploration. So I spent hours walking and talking with Jesus and Mother God. And then they taught me the technique that I now use with others. Tell us just a little bit maybe about money and abundance, because you mentioned that as part of your kind of rock bottom experiences. And how were your you know, beliefs, your spiritual or religious beliefs at that time impacting the way you thought about abundance? Oh, my gosh. I was so sold on the victim mentality that I didn't see myself as powerful or responsible for any of the things that were happening in my life. So because I'm a weak victim person, I can't allow good things to continue. So money comes in, I have to create a bill, a disaster, a magical problem <laughs> that will come in and take away whatever I've managed to acquire. So that is very different from where I am today, where I recognize that everything I am interacting with is coming as part of a vibrational resonance that I have either held or aligned with in some way. So if I want to move out of the space where I am currently because it's uncomfortable, I have to look at the belief system that I'm holding or that I have created that has allowed this situation to flourish. Lovely. And give us a little time frame. How long ago was it that you began consciously rewiring your beliefs? Well, I'm 66 now, and it was in my middle to late 40s 
where I really started the whole reprogramming. So it's been about, you know, a good 20 year journey. The first 10 were the hardest. The first 10 were climb up a foot, go backward 12 miles. It was, (laughs) it was a rough go because I was without the tools that I have now, without the communication that I have now, and without the rock solid belief system that I have now. So I was expecting uncertainty, doubt, fear, and limitation to be able to do the work of consistency, rock solid belief, following truth, and standing in alignment. And it's just not doubt and fear cannot do what love and acceptance will do. Ooh, say that one more time. Doubt and fear. Actually, you know, they gave me a beautiful thing. They said, fear is the belief that you can't. Love is the understanding that you can. Oh, that's love that. So Marsha, I'd love to switch gears just a little bit from your personal spiritual journey and to your entrepreneurial journey. Can you tell us just a little bit about what your business is and who do you serve? I help people recover from abuse and trauma by clearing and healing the heart of all that past pain with the help of the energetic realm. Okay. How long have you been doing this work? They introduced me to this technique about 15 years ago. And I think I spent about a year practicing on anybody that would volunteer. (laughs) So I've been doing it professionally about 12 or 13 years. Do you help people one-on-one or is it in groups? Is it through programs? What's your kind of method, I guess, for assisting people? Well, things have really evolved as they do whenever we're in alignment with the divine. The thing that I love the most about them is that they will never let you just sort of sit still and be happy with what you've accomplished. It's always, <laughs> oh boy, we're on to a new thing. So I began one-on-one and it was hilarious. My first one-on-one experiences where I was a professional as opposed to, hey, can I experiment on you? I remember having time prior to the call, speaking with Jesus and saying, promise me that you will be here every step of the way I need you. You know, nothing is going to happen unless you are here with me. So I got to make sure that I can hear you and feel you. And I have a bit of ability to see them. I'm really nervous. You know, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I can't find the right method? Or what if I just screw it up? Jesus, you got to be here with me the whole time. So I'm on the call and it's a lovely conversation. And I say, okay, now we're going to go into the heart. And here comes Jesus. And I'm like, oh, yay, relief. He's here. Everything's going to go great. And Jesus is very, very funny. And he loves to joke, not meanly, but to help you raise your vibration, to stop taking things so seriously. So one of the things that he had always impressed upon me is that the other person has to be willing. You can't force someone. So I'm like, oh, great. I say to my client, oh, Jesus is here. Now let's just go into the heart. And Jesus starts pulling out his eye. I'm like, uh, client is waiting for directions. Jesus is pulling out his eye. I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, what's going on? 
pulling out his eye, starts sawing off his arm and then his leg. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I say to my client, oh, I'm terribly sorry. Can you hold on just a moment? I seem to be having some difficulty communicating. (laughs) I go to Jesus. What are you doing? You promised me that you would help me. What are you doing? And he's laughing and laughing. I'm like, it's not funny. I'm trying to take this person on a healing journey. And here you are pulling your eye out. What is wrong with you? And he's like, just remember, they have to meet you in the high place. I never said to the man that was blind, here, take one of my eyes. And oh, goody, now we each have one. I said, meet me in the high place where healing can occur and we will all have an abundance of eyesight. And to the man that had lost the use of his arm or his leg, I never gave him one of my good legs so we could each have one. I always invited them to join me in the high place because in the place where God is, is the place of wellness and it's the only place where healing can occur. If they try to stay in that low vibration, they will not be able to access what already exists. So it was always about the journey from going to the place where you believe you're a victim to the understanding that you are a victor. As you've heard, Jesus is an important guide for Marcia and her work. Although we didn't talk about it explicitly, Marcia talks about and describes Jesus as an ascended master or a spiritual teacher, rather the traditional Christian view of Jesus as savior. Even though we come at it from different perspectives, Marcia's description of Jesus in this story of cutting off his arms and hands and legs and pulling out his eye, all in the name of humor, reminded me of a saying of Jesus in Matthew 18. And I'm now thinking about this saying in a slightly different way that I want to share with you. Beginning with verse 8. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or lame than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the hell of fire. In this passage, Jesus uses hyperbole to describe separation from God. I don't think Jesus literally means for anyone to cut off their limbs or to gouge out their eyes. Instead, whatever we do that separates us from the divine love and the divine justice of God needs to be excised from our life. Jesus gives this strange hyperbole in response to a question that the disciples ask. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus answers in a string of sayings, and this is only a little part of his answer. But he doesn't directly answer who will be the greatest. Instead, he probes and nudges the disciples to let them know that their question isn't really all that relevant. Maybe here he's warning them not to be so overly concerned with rank. And he shocks them with this vivid imagery of cutting off parts of the human body and even being thrown into eternal torment. Which, if you've been hanging out around this podcast for a little while, you know I do not take literally. And holy moly, when Marcia started talking about the visitation of Jesus in this healing session, it made me think of exactly these verses. And I'm thinking about them even more appreciatively. 
because Jesus is showing up literally miming, cutting off arms and legs and gouging out his eye. Again, an act of holy and humorous hyperbole to remind Marcia that she and her client have to join Jesus in those higher places. Perhaps this saying of Jesus in the New Testament reflects a little bit of humor. I can imagine Jesus on earth miming this out and maybe the disciples even laughing, realizing that their question wasn't all that it was supposed to be. Maybe he had some of that humor on earth that simply gets lost in translation. So I want to thank Marcia and Jesus for showing up in this way and offering this delightful insight. Let's talk a little bit about that heart space. What I can tell from your work, you consider heart healing to be really foundational. So can you tell us what that means and what the heart space is? Like, why is this so core and central to what you do? Yeah, it's not the physical heart. It's the energetic heart, which is located right in the middle of your chest. And it's that place where we have our divine connection point. It is available to everyone, and there is nothing you can do to eliminate that connection. You can make it small so that it's almost non-existent, but it is the source of all life. So we are going right to the source to clear the confusion that has come because of past experiences, beliefs, or trauma that you may have experienced. So when I say we go into the heart, we go into that energetic space. Well, and you work especially with trauma and abuse. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. What drew you to that work that could be really heavy? And is that something everyone has? Is it a specific, be a part of the population? I would say 99.9% of those of us who are awake and aware and maybe falling on the designation of light worker, have had a past that includes abuse and trauma. And I remember a conversation early on that I had with Mother God when all of my clients, all of the people that really wanted to work with me and were excited to do it, had horrendous backgrounds of either abuse or trauma. And I went to Mother God and I said, um, I think you guys got a little confused here on the uh, <laughs> program. Why is it that you allowed these people that are going to be in the front of this movement, this global movement of love, why would you allow them to go through so much abuse and trauma in their early formative years? Isn't that like a backward? Wouldn't you want them to be strong and filled up with love so that they could withstand any kind of pressure that may come against them? And she said, no, you all knew going in that you were going to be on the front lines of this awakening movement of love. And you all chose to have early trauma or abuse so that you would strengthen against these kinds of energies and you would be able to hold strong when it was most important for you to hold your alignment with the divine. So all of the empathic beings in the world today, or as I said, 99.9% of them, certainly 100% of the ones that I have worked with, have a history of abuse and or trauma that has led them to this place of wanting to delve deeper. They are turning away from what the world may be offering or suggesting and they're wanting to investigate in a different direction. 
they move from that place of victim to become some of the strongest victors that I have ever seen because they have that previous history of overcoming abuse or living through traumatic experiences. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I can offer just maybe a slightly different perspective because this is a question that comes up all the time with my clients. Why do such terrible things happen? You know, this child didn't deserve this abuse. And of course they did not. But my response as of right now is we either get free will or we don't. And if God has given us the gift of free will, part of that free will includes people doing really horrific things. And, you know, it's kind of like, where does it stop if God intervenes for this and that and that and that and that and the other? Eventually, we, in fact, don't have any free will. And part of me thinks, as God, it must be so incredibly painful to watch humanity do such horrible things to one another. And what a gift that we can stop doing them and that we can recover, that we can heal. And like your kind of work in helping people heal is part of that gift. And that's also part of our humanity and having free will. So I just have to ask, give us a snapshot, if you can, of what happens in a session with you. How does this all work? First of all, you have to understand that Jesus is always there. So we create a circle of white light, which is our sacred space, the space where it's just you and your angelic helpers. It's the space of God. It is safe and it gives you the opportunity, first of all, to get mad if you need to, to get sad, to just process everything. But what we would do is first you come in the circle. Jesus is already there. Then in comes the aspect of yourself that first encountered the situation. So let's say you're dealing with a spirit of unworthiness. You just don't think there's anything about you that is worthwhile. There was a time when that started. There was something that triggered this. No child is born feeling unworthy. Something happens that makes you believe this is true. So let's say it happened when you were four. So the four-year-old you then goes over to Mother Father God's lap and just has the experience of being adored and being seen as perfect and loved and everything that a four-year-old could think was wonderful. And you and Jesus and whomever else shows up, these are the helpers that would be appropriate for your situation because beings in the energetic realm have specific things that they are really good at. They have specific streams of energy that help with healing certain circumstances. So it's you and Jesus and then your helpers that would travel to the place in your energetic field where you have held this, I'm worthless, I deserve bad things, I can never expect anything better, I need to just be okay with the fact that everything in my life is going to be painful. We would go explore what this looks like for you because it's always an illusion. It's always fed by the ego. It's out of alignment with the divine. And you need to go see it for what it really is. Take a look at it. See what it's done to you. See what the byproducts are. See how it has affected you. So once you've really seen it for what it is, and you see how powerful you are with the presence of the Christ standing in front and all of these other angelic helpers, 
and just make this energy non-existent. It just completely ceases to exist as it was. It is returned to the divine. And then we bring in Holy Spirit light. And Holy Spirit light purifies what was, brings in that unconditional love and acceptance, and gives you a new name for this space. So if you went to the space saying, I am unworthy, you would have a new understanding of this space that says, I am a child of the divine. I am more than enough. I am worthy. It is you re-engaging with whatever it was that brought you to the place of pain so that now instead of pain, you have this beautiful place to exist and to be and a new understanding of who you are. I loved hearing about Marsha's techniques of healing led by spirit. It feels so compatible, although a little bit different in her style from the way I work with my clients. Anytime we open up to spirit, we really open ourselves up to radical healing, even if we didn't know that we needed it. Often in my one-on-one client sessions, I find that we do very deep chakra work, not only the heart chakra, but any of the chakras that show up with energy that's there that needs to be worked with. And we can go inside it and have a dialogue with it, working with divine beings who show up. And of course, in my work, Jesus is almost always present as well. Assisting people with getting in touch with the spirit world, with their metaphysical gifts and deep soul healing is what I do especially for Jesus followers who have felt that they need to choose between their faith and this amazing energy work. Many of my clients come to the realization that there is no separation between God and the things that they were told are evil. No one departs from working with me if they choose without experiencing some awareness of their own gifts and their capacity for deep healing and integration. Getting that freedom is unimaginably liberating. I also work with entrepreneurs who are wanting to bring in spirituality to their life, to their work, regardless if they identify as Christian or not. Just like I say in the intro, our businesses and our spiritual lives are not separate. Infusing your life and your business with spirituality is not only freeing, it is also deeply fun and it's meaningful. From finding out who your business guides are, to wrestling with toxic religious background, to living in joyful union with the divine, this is possible for all the people that I serve. And I, in particular, do this with individual sessions and also with group coaching and in group programs, depending on what the person needs. I'm loving Marsha's approach to this and find her to be a compatible energy worker. I'm so delighted to hear how she is working towards healing trauma and abuse. When you were first starting to build your business, you know, 12, 13 years ago, tell us maybe what the biggest challenge was in those early years when you were first getting started. Oh, for me, confidence was the number one hurdle that I had to overcome. For me, it was, oh my gosh, look what this has done for me. But should I tell anybody about it? What if it doesn't work for them? Oh, yes. Okay. So, you know, that was the whole give it away for a year. And of course, in the beginning, it was very rough. And I would try all these different ways if it wasn't streamlined. And so there was a lot of trial and error of which is the way that's going to get us to the most beneficial result in the shortest amount of time. It sounds like you solved that by practicing. Yes. 
And persistence, you know, continuing to see my life evolve and seeing other people have wonderful things happen in their life. So it was confidence and being present. I couldn't just take a holiday and hope that it would happen. I had to really pay attention to the progress these people were making and show them because work in the spiritual realm can be very subtle. It can be, well, I don't feel as bad for maybe three months. And then after three months of applying these principles and aligning with the divine and opening to more awareness and clearing out more of the heart space, suddenly you wake up and you say, I feel magnificent. I feel amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. You mentioned alignment. So this is something I ask everyone on the show. What do you think of when I say being in alignment? What does that mean to you? For me, it is my heart center connected with the divine. It feels almost as though there's a rod of light that runs from above my head all the way down to beneath my feet. But it is really just this center place is open and connected. And from that connection, I am grounded in the earth and I am open to receiving answers from heaven. What does it feel like when you're not in alignment? Oh, confusion, chaos and confusion. It's always like being slightly drunk, you know, not stumble down falling (laughs) drunk, but it's like, oh, I'm a little wobbly or woozy. You feel unanchored and unsupported. And what do you do when you have that feeling? How do you get back into alignment? What I teach everyone is just go to the heart center and imagine. You just go to your heart center and connect with the energy that it's there. And then imagine that you're moving the energy down through the chakra system and allow yourself to bless the earth and everything in it and on it. And then continue that beam of light through the pranic tube down into the earth. So you go as deep into the earth, right into the heart of Mother Earth deep into the heart, and you share that energy of love and acceptance that came from your heart, and you receive from the earth the energy of renewal and restoration. So love and acceptance goes down and blesses the earth and everything in it and on it, and renewal and restoration comes up, and you take a moment in the heart again, and then you start moving the energy through the upper chakras and give your energy as a gift of gratitude to God so that you are saying thank you for all that you give us. And I always tell people it's like a figure eight or an upright infinity symbol. It begins at the heart, and then it just goes down into the earth, through the heart again, up into heaven, through the heart again. It just continues, and it continues to bless you and guide you. But it's a giving and receiving loop. So as you allow blessings to pour forth from you, you are now open to receiving the blessings in return. It sounds like that practice, which I I just love the practice, it's helping make yourself and others conscious of what may have been unconscious. So we become consciously aware that we're not aligned and then we can have a conscious response. Yes. And that word response, it's all about responsibility. It is understanding you are responsible for your energetic signature. God's not responsible for you. 
Charlie next door is not responsible for you. You are responsible for your energetic signature. So if you are having a bad day, it might feel more interesting to blame Charlie down the street. But in truth, it is because you chose not to hold your center point. You chose to give Charlie access to your energetic stream and you aligned with their negativity. So it is very much about, yes, you are responsible. Thank you. I think that's really, really helpful. I've also heard you talk about the ways we might resist angelic assistance. So can you just tell us what that means? What are the ways people might resist angelic assistance in your experience? The most powerful one is self-hatred because that leads to self-condemnation. I'm not worthy. I have no value. I don't deserve this. And from that place, you are completely closed. Then we have also societal beliefs or your cultural beliefs or familial beliefs. But the biggest barrier is always with the self. It is always, I will not allow myself to receive because I don't deserve it. I don't believe it. So if we begin with ourselves, which is the only thing that we can control, and we say, I love and accept myself as I am, we give ourselves a doorway. And through that doorway, we can invite the divine, invite the angelic presences. We can spend time with the Christ. And then we get to expand because this is not passive energy that we're inviting in. This is uplifting, invigorating, expanding, educating energy. How beautiful. Thank you. Marcia, this has been wonderful and enlightening and just kind of heartwarming to hear how you assist people, especially who've gone through such trials. Before we wrap up, is there any advice you'd like to share with the listeners? The thing that I learned that I didn't believe was possible is that when you heal your heart, you will transform your life. Get rid of the brain. I spent my master's degree as educational and developmental psychology. I worshiped the brain. Spent the majority of my life trying to understand the psychology. But what I have come to learn is the heart is much more powerful. And in actuality, there are more neurons that lead from the heart to the brain than from the brain to the heart. So when we lead with the heart, but it has to be your cleared, healed heart, not your pain heart. When we lead with the heart, we are actually leading with wisdom. When we lead from the head, we are usually engaging with the ego. That is wonderful. I love it. Um, Thank you so much for being here. What's the best way for people to find you? Well, we have two websites. I'm going to lead you to the easiest one. It is mmhearthealer.com, or you can go to thehearthealingfoundation.org. But mmhearthealer is just so much easier. I'm Katie Valentine, and you've been listening to Soul Savvy Business. Soul Savvy Business is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which includes shows like Just Between Coaches and Once Upon a Business. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. I wrote this episode with Cynthia. Melissa Deal assembled the episode. Danny Eaney is our executive producer. And post-production was by Post Office Sound. 
To make sure you don't miss great episodes coming up on Soul Savvy Business, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. If you like the show, please give us a starred review. It is the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Thank you, and we will see you next time.